Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. Let me give you some advice. Assume everyone will betray you and you will never be disappointed. My name is Matt. And my name is Jamie and I counted on blind loyalty like yours to make my plan succeed. Where's yours from? It's Pong Krell. Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) So, Pong Krell might be the greatest villain of Clone Wars, um, in my opinion. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Um, Mine's from Solo. Mine is Beckett Ah. um, talking to Han, if you didn't catch that. Yeah. Star Wars Woody. Yeah, Star Wars Woody. No, I, I, the more I watch Solo, the more I love it. And I watched, I watched Solo this week, so. Right on. Cool. Right, so today, real quick, just, just to sort of billboard the episode, today we are doing our wrap-up of season one of Bad Batch, um, which was 16 episodes, and we've posted our 16 reviews of those episodes, um, today is um, Sunday, August 22nd, um, so we've been about a week w- week and a couple days without new Star Wars. Um, it's been the first week without Star Wars in almost four months. Uh, I think we're both feeling a little withdrawal, and so we wanted to hop on and do a quick recording of our impressions of Season 1 of Bat Batch. Is that a fair assessment, Jamie? Yeah. Yeah, definitely feeling a little bit of withdrawal. Um yeah, you know, Friday morning for the past, you know, few months have just been like, oh, all right, Bad Batch. And now it's just like, ugh, I woke up early, now there's nothing. Stupid reality, you know. No, no reason to wake up on Friday. No, I, yeah. I got used to the text the text message you would send me asking if I had seen it yet, and I would say, not yet. Even though you're on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, you would always, almost always watch it before me. So I would roll out of bed and immediately go to work. And and you would wake up super early and and watch it, but I would catch up in the early afternoon with you, and uh, then we wouldn't talk about it until the recording that night. But yeah, and that that's, was really hard. <laughs> it's it's incredibly hard because we all we talk about is Star Wars, um, or we primarily talk about Star Wars. We we couldn't want to save it for the recording. Um, so today we're going to go over sort of what we the things we loved and things we loved less or didn't like about season one. It's going to be a pretty positive episode, I think. We're going to talk about the season overall, and then um, what's next for us going forward. But but I do, want to, I do want to start out like we usually do and just talk about what Star Wars activities we've done this week. So um, I know you've done a little bit of Star Wars this week, so what have you done? So I just finished uh, Out of the Shadows, the uh, book by Justina Ireland. I had a little bit of reservations. I had liked her previous work, but I was a little on the fence because I don't really like the character of Vernestra Rowe. But by the end of this book, I was just like, wow, I really liked this book. There's a lot of good good Star Wars in there, good universe building, good like stuff with the Force, and not too much stuff that's just like, ugh, give me a break. The artwork for it is... Uh, I don't really care for it because... It just shows um, just sort of a woman with a hand under her hips, and she just looks like sassy, like she's in charge. And then you've got two Jedi, uh, Emery and uh, Vernestra, behind her, and then a bunch of 
Nile, and it's just kind of like I, I don't like when when I see that kind of pose. I'm just thinking like, ugh, this is just somebody who's large and in charge, and it's just gonna she's just gonna be annoying. The character being uh, Syl, but Syl turned out not half bad by the end of the book. I don't think we ever published our discussion about the the High Republic first round of books, but we should probably do something in in the future. I know you weren't a huge fan of A Test of Courage, which sort of introduced Renesta Rowe and Emiri, um, but I really, I'm very excited that you liked her char- character development in this book, especially her her sort of hyperspace abilities. We're not going to do a lot of spoilers right now for these books, but I'm I'm very excited that you're sort of on board with her character development right now. The, uh, a lot surprisingly happened for a young adult novel because it you know it wasn't it's not a large book um so the fact that like a lot of pivotal things happened in it is pretty um, i don't know pretty wild in my opinion there's just a lot of different things i wasn't expecting overall it was uh it was a great book i actually got to the point where i just started listening to it because normally I listen to books when I walk the dogs or I go running or I'm uh, running around um, uh, doing errands, you know, with my car. But, you know, I actually find myself, you know, like doing the dishes or just sitting there playing, you know, on my phone, listening to it. Because I just wanted to find out what happened next. So so without, without any spoilers, I think we can both safely recommend... Uh, this book as uh, sort of a must read if you're a high republic if you're following the high republic there's a lot of a lot of really interesting details about the overall plot of the high republic how the nihil are interacting with the jedi and a lot of character development for what i assume are going to be central jedi moving forward including Venestra, um emery um wreath which is one of my favorite jedis um Comac and um, am I missing somebody? Stellan Geos was in it, but not that much. Yeah, Stellan is sort of becoming like the pretty boy of the whole thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, Stellan too. And but overall, I think I think it's a good ensemble cast, and it establishes a lot, and it it starts to chip away at the mystery of hyperspace too. Mm-hmm. And that's without giving away. This is a no spoiler review. We're not going to give away any of the plot, but I'm very pleased and excited that you liked it because I think now that you've finished it, I think we can talk about it. Yeah. And I I'm almost done with my second listen of it. I was doing I always do usually do a second listen of the audiobook to see if I missed anything, especially if there's nothing else coming out um, quickly. I've noticed a couple things on the second second pass that I'd like to talk about with you. Um, off off recording, but I do want to point out that in the next in the next week, so sorry, nine days from now, the Tempest Runner audio play is coming out. So it's another audio play by Kevin Scott, who did Dooku Jedi Lost. Um, second audio play, and it's the cover right now is a uh, Lorna D holding a big spear weapon, um, and her mask is on. I'm very excited about this audio play based on the quality of Dooku Lost, which I I think both of us really enjoyed. It might be one of my favorite audio performances of any Star Wars book I've heard in the past couple of years. Yeah, it's 
it, it was really good um, because it was, you know, it, it, it was done by an ensemble. You know, they they don't do that. You know, I'm, I'm glad that they're starting to do that. Yeah, I, I absolutely hope this is, um, now that we're getting a second one, that this is a trend. That we'll, we'll get one of these every year or so, or every two years. Get like a really ensemble cast. I mean, some of, some of the audiobook readers do a great job with differentiating voices and accents and things. But Dooku Lost is a performance piece, right? It's I know you're a fan of the NPR recordings of like the original trilogy, Mm-hmm. It it feels like that to me, you know. Yeah, there like there is a. Um, I think I've mentioned this before uh, on podcast. There is a um, an an audio version of Dune, and you can get it through Audible, where it's a it's an ensemble cast. It's great. It is great. I mean, Dune's great. Um, the uh, the other books they kind of, mm, but you know. The whole story of Dune is great. They have a full ensemble cast. It just really just brings it to life. So, you know, I highly recommend that. If you've never listened to Dune or, you know, wanna you know, wanna get ahead of the movie coming out, you know, do yourself a favor and get that audiobook. It's phenomenal. I've got a couple audible credits built up, so I'll I'll definitely look into that and see and see if I can get that on Audible. Yeah, I was actually just looking at some of the names on there. I I don't know a lot of them because maybe they're they're probably people that I know their voices, but I don't know them by name. But I but I do know January Lavoie and Mark Thompson, and both of them are excellent narrators. A lot of times, if it's not Jonathan Davis or Mark Thompson, I'm just like, well, I'll listen, but. I'm not gonna like it, and I usually end up liking it anyways. But um, so so for my Star Wars this week, I've been sort of working my way back through the movies. I took a short vacation, was able to watch um, um, Return of the Jedi on Disney Plus, and I watched um, Solo the other day as well. Yeah. Um, so I've been. I took a couple days for myself and and squeezed in a couple Star Wars movies, and Solo is one of those movies that. If I'm honest, I would say like the first time I saw it in the theater, I was like, "That's pretty cool," and I've probably watched it three or four times on home video since then. I have the DVD, and I've also watched um, it on Disney Plus a couple times. And every single time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. And the first, I would say, the first time I rewatched it, I liked it a lot more than I saw it when I felt leaving the theater. And it's a movie that absolutely grows on me every single time. Yeah, it's a it's a good movie, and I'm really excited to see. You know, like I want to see more of like uh, Enfys Nest in the beginning of uh, the. Um, I wouldn't say rebellion, but just uh, like like the cells. The the cells, yeah, like like pre rebels. You know, just them just starting to get organized. You know, it's not something. It's not something I plan to talk about today, but there is a, a Lando series for Disney Plus in development right now. We don't know any details about it when it's going to be launched, probably 2023, but people are people are calling it Solo 2. Mm, man, man, oh man. It might be a good format for it to put yeah. to put um, Aaron Reich and um, Glover in a 6, 14, 12, 10, 8 episode like piece together and just be like 
like here's here's more solo for you guys and maybe Kira can be in it. I would if Emily Clark wants to come back, please. Amelia Clark, sorry. Amelia Clark, come back. Please, please come back. She is maybe my favorite Star Wars actor. Really? I love her. I love her so much. She is when she's on screen, I can't think about anything other than her. Okay. I'm not, I'm not shitting on her. It's surprising as all. Well. I mean, she's she was really good in Game of Thrones. But okay, um, yeah, and I actually just watched the the last Bad Batch with um, the the kids today, and um, I actually bought the latest High Republic book, but I only got a couple pages in, and then which book is that? It's um, it's sorry, it's the um, it's the comic book. It's uh, number eight. Oh, okay, okay. I'm I'm three issues behind on the comic book, so I need to catch up this weekend. Yeah, I I just get them through Kindle, um, just because I don't want to, you know, like when once the series is all done, you know, I'll probably go back and start getting um, picking up the uh, the 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 volumes, you know, so that there's um so I could just look through them or have the kids read them because I don't want the kids constantly on their tablets, but you know they've shown interest in the comic books. All right, so you want to get uh, get started in our kind of our season one wrap up? So what I thought might be fun to do today, we've we've released seventeen episodes about Bad Batch so far. We had a trailer episode followed by sixteen weekly episode reviews of the sixteen episodes. I thought it might be fun if we if you and I sort of went back and forth pitching what our favorite episodes were just just a couple um so if you wanted to throw out the name of an episode that you thoroughly enjoyed out of the 16 um we could probably go back and forth and talk about them just real quick not to consume a lot of time but um what was your say favorite episode or like a top three episode Uh, yeah it's hard to say like my favorite but i um, let's say I mean, Battle Scars. When I had right. to think about one, Battle Scars was was one of my favorites because of um, you know just some of the history. You know, like kind of like bringing back Rex. The what happens to Wrecker. You know the um, the you know the Omega. You know, just like terrified, like a like a child. You know, like child whose parent is just going on a rampage to. Uh, you know, to beat them silly, you know, and just, it was very good, uh, like, like acting on her, um, on her part. Sure. So, so just real quick, um, Battle Scars is the episode where they go to Bracca to, um, remove their inhibitor chips, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the episode where sort of Wrecker loses it prior to his inhibitor chip being removed and sort of goes on a rampage. And and it results in all of them getting their inhibitor chips removed. Correct. Yep. Um, so I I agree that it is a wonderful episode. I think it's I think it's right in line thematically with the series. I think it establishes a lot from the point of view of the characters, and it also it remove it removes an existential threat from the characters and sort of frees them up for the rest of the series. Right. They're no, they're no longer subject to the trigger of Order sixty six, and it it elevates them in in sort of that that weird way where they can move on, and the camera work on Bracket is beautiful. 
Oh yeah, it's beautiful with all the uh, the wrecked Venators everywhere. And in our review episode of that, you pointed out to me, which I was not aware, that it is also the planet that Cal works on in um, Fallen Order, right? Mm, Right. So theoretically, there could be a young Cal on that planet, at least in the near future after that episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, what about you? I'm going to pick one that's different than yours, but um, is also... Not, probably not my top favorite, but something that I think is a good episode, and I'm going to pick Common Ground. Um, so Common Ground was the episode that takes place on Raxus, where the senator, Avi Singh, has to sort of escape the planet. I think I, in our review episode, I might have been a little hard on this this episode for um, sort of MacGuffin problems. But I think mm-hmm. overall it's a good episode to sort of establish where you are in the history of the galaxy. And where you are is where um, these systems are placed in a terrible position by the Empire. And they're basically told to conform or cease to exist. And and it shows this it shows the separatist senator struggling with this new reality. He's lost the war and he's being made to knuckle under publicly and he can't do it. And then we see the same scene roughly play out in a later episode on Ryloth. I think it's a very good good beat for them to hit multiple times to sort of show how the Empire is rolling through the galaxy, putting people underfoot. Also, there's great ATTE battle scenes in this episode that I really, really like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I completely forgotten about that. But yeah, you're right. That those were great. Any thoughts on that episode, Common Ground? Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Um, the ones that I listed are ones that you know maybe not the best, but the ones that kind of just had something that just stuck out to me. Common Ground is a good one, but I um, I completely kind of spaced. You know, like that that whole like escape sequence. Um, it, it just kind of totally blew my mind. Or Makes not blew my mind, but it, go ahead. It, 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 it sorry, it escaped my mind. No, I, I I like that we're we're picking things that are slightly different, um, because I think I think overall we'll get to this, but I think overall the series is very strong. I say this a lot about movies. It's like I can definitely rank my movies, my Star Wars movies, in order of preference. But even in my lowest ranked Star Wars movies, there's things I love, mm-hmm. and I feel like that about this series. Like even in the episodes that I think are weak, there are moments that I think are incredibly strong. Um, so I, I like that we're sort of out of sync on these first ones. Yeah. Why don't you throw out another episode that you okay. really enjoyed? It, it, was, it was hard choosing, but I chose to uh, go with one that I just enjoyed. It was more of a filler episode, but I just, you know, I just enjoyed it. And that was Rampage. That was where they um, <clears throat> they have to go uh, rescue rescue somebody they think it's a kid but it turns out it's a juvenile uh, rancor and there's Argarians in it and it's just a it's just kind of a wild ride and it it, uh, it devolves into a fist fight between Wrecker and the the juvenile rancor and eventually Wrecker wins I thought it was just fun uh, overall I'm I'm so glad you picked this episode. It wasn't on my list, but it was sort of on the bubble. It's fun. 
You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's fun to the point of being silly, but it's still phenomenal Star Wars. You know, it's it's like here's a silly task and you don't know exactly what your job is and go do it and the whole fist fight <laughs> like even thinking about it I'm laughing. Like the whole fist fight between Wrecker and the Rancor it's so comical because they just like collapse on each other at the end. I yeah. I love like the it's slapstick, but it's it's not like Wiley Coyote like looking down and then falling. It's like grounded in sort in in sort of a reality that where you can believe that these two characters can fight each other until they pass out. I I love it. I love that you picked it. Um, <laughs> yeah, the whole thing just makes me happy. What is your second? Or just the next next one in your list? Um, I'm actually going to go down to Ryloth. Um, Risco and Ryloth, I think... Which one? Or the whole the whole thing? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I just said Risco and Ryloth, but I think I prefer Devil's Deal, which is the first half, um, because I think it was the first... This was the first episode that really connected it, really connected this arc to the greater Star Wars universe, which you and I both consume so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know we're both huge fans of Lords of the Sith. I, we both really love that book. Um, and if you haven't read it, Jesus, like go get that book. Um, get the audio book on Audible, and one day Audible will thank us for this reference by giving us <laughs> giving us ad copy to read. Um, but go get that book because it's phenomenal. And the fact that they they tied in some of that, like. At the time, it we weren't sure, but I I'm confident now, thinking that they actually intended to tie in some of that book into that episode, and how ruthless Rampart is, and the introduction of teenage Hera and Chopper, and Cham and Alini, like all of it is so. That episode is peak Star Wars to me because it's connective tissue. It's teaching me about the universe. It's showing me a character that I love, like her origins and and why and it helps me understand why she is the way she is later when she talks with her father and rebels. I think Devil's Deal was really a uh, inflection point for me in this series. Like I loved it. I was having a good time and when they when they did Devil's Deal, I was like, "All right, you're really you're really going for it at this point. This is like peak Star Wars. This is the the episode that connects Clone Wars to Rebels. It does it perfectly. I, I agree. It's it, it was a really good episode, and it was I was happy to see you know Hera and having you know the you know the kind of the connective tissue between the two. The fact that they even have the you know the wrecked Y wing that Chopper came from. You know that's in front of the Syndulla compound. Just the little things like that just just make it great. And just, you know, like you said, Rampart, you know, you know he's awful because he's an Imperial officer. They're all shitty, but just um, fr- the framing of uh, Cham Sundula uh, is just, uh, it was just everything about it was great. And, the, and not taking anything from Resco and Ryloth, but like, I really think this is where you under you begin to understand Rampart's character. Because prior to that, you're like, oh, is he just ambitious? Is he just does he just see an opportunity here? In the episode Devil's Deal, you're like, no, this this person is a psychopath. 
Like he will he will kill everyone in his path to get what he wants, and he he has no compunction about it at all. Yeah. Well, you think about um, the fact that he's a he's an admiral in the the Imperial Navy, and that he's I mean I don't know what how old he's supposed to be, but he's he's young enough where he's not he shouldn't be you know an admiral yet. He might, that, he might be mid thirties, right? He's he's right. somewhere. He's like he's our age ish, right? Yeah, he, he's, he's a within five years of our age, which we're we're both forty ish, right? Yeah, I mean he's a psycho and he's a he's obviously a bootlicker, just because like he's he's just one of those people that like you know in whatever horrible regime you know just think about someplace you know on the planet right now or in the past there's always people that are willing to do horrible and terrible things that the power structure just lets happen and they get rewarded for it instead of you know punished and so a guy like him has no problem doing terrible awful things and just being rewarded for it you know just he just licks the boot and just keeps on you know moving up the performance is perfect, right? It's mm-hmm. and your your characterization of the character is perfect, right? It is purely he is purely just a monst- monstrous character, and there's no redeemable qualities in him. And this episode really establishes that. All right, so what's your number three? What's your what's your what's your third favorite? Or so my third your top one, three. Okay, is War Mantle. I really really enjoyed this episode. It was. It was kind of up between this and um, the uh, the fifteenth episode. So I returned to Camino. Um, was that the name of it? But um, yeah. But in reality, that one. I mean, that had a lot of great stuff in it. But it was it was only you know like near the very end where it got really interesting. You know, I just thought War Mantle from start to finish was great. From you know, from the you know the chase scene to you know finding out that that uh, these uh, clone uh, commandos are training are training uh, you know what will be known as stormtroopers in this huge base and and makes you wonder like how long has this been going on you know where you know were they always doing because they're 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 not even I hazard a guess to say they're not even you know like six months out of the fall of. Uh, the fall of the Republic, and they've got already got all these facilities all ready to go. So, this like the very end, like the very end of this Camino uh, Lost, where they take uh, Lamassu to some installation. It's like how it just just thinking about how how much it takes, and you've worked for the government in the past just to get things ramped up. That the Empire is just going, you know, full sprint. There, there were people just so willing to just we're, we're fascists now. Cool. I mean, I think th- I think that's a great point. At the end of Camino Lost, when they show up at the base, it's like this base would take twenty years to build. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yes, it was. It wasn't just it. It was like because like if you look in the background, there's other bases in hills just like it. Yeah, it's a whole network of facilities, right? Um, that's a great point, and and as far as like episodes fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, which is War Mantle, Return to Camino, and Camino Lost, if we if we view that those three as like the finale, I think I would give them an A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. From from my point of view, War Mantle was also my last pick, um, because it's 
it's something that you and I have discussed at length. It's the question of what happened to the clones. Like, how do you go from an army of millions to an army of randos in less than 20 years? What happens to that army? And War Mantle complete, completely delivered, in my opinion, a mechanism for that answer. Didn't give us mm-hmm. the whole answer, but it gave us, like, it said, like, here's what's happening. And maybe, and maybe like, Return of Camino and Camino Lost, like, elaborated on that. Because the last two episodes are all about, like, destruction of Camino, ending the clone program in a way that's so definitive that you can't argue that it can come back. Like, there's no chance that there's going to be more clones. No more Django Fett clones. Which yeah. is sort of sort of interesting from like the early early conversations about the season where it's like, oh, Omega's important because she's a Django Fett clone. But now it's like like, well, we burnt that to the ground. Right? So if anything, like who cares at this point yeah. about Django Fett clones? But War Mantle, I think for based on our conversations over the years, like we've we've had a lot of speculation about what happens to the clones in between the two of us. And I think War Mantle for, for my money, is the episode that I've been waiting for. Like, the explanation from Star Wars I've been waiting for. It's like, what happens to the clones? The good ones, mm-hmm. like, the great ones were conscripted into a program to train the new generation of fighters, which were not going to be clones. And that is, that episode's so incredible. Like, even the shooting, like, we talked about it in our episode, like, the opening is so E.T., right? Like, running through... Running through an evergreen forest with like flashlights shining around, and the extraction is comedic and and tense. The reintroduction of torch, um, which was scorch, a, was it scorch or torch? Scorch, please scorch. Um, from the clone commanders game and and all of all of that stuff. It's it's pitch perfect, right? It's it's reaching in the past. It's reaching into the future. The design of the stormtroopers being Macquarie-based, the whole thing is near perfect to me. And it's still a MacGuffin episode where you have to get Gregor out. But once again, it's Gregor, right? It's mm-hmm. it's once again reaching into the past and reaching into the future. We know Gregor survives because he's on the ATTE walker and Rebels that are with the old clones and they're fishing together with Wolf and Rex. So we know he survives, and we know him him from the past because he's in the Ga- Gaston episode, right? Or the Gascon. Gascon. <laughs> Gascon. Like I made that joke a long time ago, but um, yeah, he, he's in he's in the Gascon episode, right? And the D Squad stuff. And so it's it's once again like the perfect link. It's like, what are you using the series for? You're using the series to fill in gaps, you're making connections. Perfect. War Mantle is a wonderful episode, and that is also my third pick. Yeah, and I just want to say, I I really hope that there is more to the whole like clone replacement in the second season, and like like an actual like turning point where like you find out like what happens with the clones. You know, like do they they just cut them all loose? You know, like some of them that were. To say like okay like here's you know here's fifty bucks you know you know did they just leave them all one place saying that you know like oh hey we're gonna go get some smokes we'll be right back um, 
you know, and just abandon them wherever, um, you know, or did they like, you know, was there a certain point where they realized that, oh, we don't have a purpose anymore and we're being, you know, marched out, you know, like, you know, near a wall without any of our armor on? Do, was, is there like max executions? Do they just kind of just cut them loose on the galaxy and just assume that they're all just going to die relatively quickly? Because I know some, you know, there are still some that are in Imperial service, like those young ones are more than likely the purge troopers that you see in the Darth Vader comic. I, I, I'd definitely be interested. I, you know, there's there's just so much there. I really hope they we're we're in complete agreement there. I think um, I want I want more information about the clones. I don't want to get too far ahead because we're going to talk about what we want in season two. Um, but we can we can we can refer back to this conversation about clones. Yeah. But I think I think one of the big things that both of us want in season two is more information about the clone program. I do want to I do want to ask you what your sort of least favorite episode was. Um, My least keep it keep it positive. But what's your least favorite episode? Uh, infested. I didn't really care for it that much. It it had some cool um, artwork, like the. The, it definitely was creepy, like the the cave, but just the whole story is that they're they're running drugs, and it's just I didn't you know, and then the whole, and then the 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 things that are supposedly deadly, they didn't seem all that deadly. <laughs> the the um the animals or bird reptile creatures that were in the cave, so it was just very just kind of like huh. I just, I didn't really I you know something about it just it didn't sit well with me i mean there was great parts of it but i didn't like the idea of like they're basically running drugs you know yeah so so the format for this section we're we're only going to do one episode uh, a piece i'm going to defend the episode and let you respond okay Uh, i will i will start my defense by saying that i agree with your criticism that it is it is not the episode in general is not important to the overall plot and it actually sinks them if it is important to the plot, then the the trajectory of the episode sinks them greater into their life of crime and makes them less redeemable as a team because the mission is literally let's save these drugs for this yeah. drug dealer, right? And and I comically called it on our Twitter feed uh, Breaking Bad Batch, and instead yeah. of playing the Bad Batch theme, I play the Breaking Bad theme. Um, but there was there were two things I like about the episode. No one should respond to them. One, um, the Pikes are in it, and I love the continuity between Solo, um, Clone Wars, and Bad Batch now that the Pikes are basically a culture absorbed into a crime syndicate. They're they're a one-dimensional culture that like run drugs and operate as a crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that I do like the character of Roland, who is the Deveronian, who sort of strong arms, temporarily strong arms Sid, and then is outmaneuvered by Sid, and narrowly avoids being assassinated or murdered by the Pike Syndicate. Um, primarily, I like him because I learned things about Deveronian culture from you, from your research, that they're a matriarchal society, and that he's trying to... Um, live outside of the shadow of his mother 
So do you have any commentary on that? And then I will tell you my least favorite episode, which I intentionally picked something that wasn't infested so you could respond to it. <laughs> no, I don't have any real retorts. That's, you know, that was some good stuff that was that was in it for certain. And I think this is a commentary. I think your lack of commentary is actually commentary on how strong the season was, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, even even the episodes that we're critical about, we can be we can find our criticism is not damnation, right? It's it's criticism. It's us saying like this is these are things that we didn't like about this, but there are lots of things we do like about it. Um, so I'll give you my my least favorite episode, uh, minus infested, because I also did not think that episode was great. Um, and my my least favorite is um, replacements. And this was the the episode mm. that took place mostly on the moon, where the dragon steals the battery. Yeah, I was, I can you know I thought about that one, but I just I think what redeemed it for me was just the just the the you know um, crosshairs cruelty. So, 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 real quick, I just want to justify why I picked it. One, I think, I think we spent a lot of time on the moon with a silly MacGuffin that was 100% caused by Tech's incompetence, which actually sets a tone for the whole series. Yeah. I've not been shy about how disappointed I am in Tech. Um, but in addition to that, the other, like the B story, just shows how cruel Crosshair is becoming. Mm-hmm. And it is to say it's difficult to watch doesn't cover it, right? He he commands a unit that mows down a village of people. It is yeah. opening of the Force Awakens level of cruelty. Oh yeah, and, and it's you know the fact that like he he executes troopers who you know tries to say like that you know don't do this. This is wrong. You know we're not going to do this. He you know shoots him and then tells the rest of them to shoot it. Right, so he he establishes in this episode that that any dissension in his rank is punishable by death immediately. It 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 completely it, it sets the tone for his irredeemability in episode three of the series. Right, mm-hmm. we don't we don't get a lot of crosshair in the series overall, but this is an early indication of where the writers are putting him, and it is as a butcher. Like he, you want him to get his comeuppance, and if you don't, I I don't know what your values are, right? He is murdering people, like he's shooting people who question whether or not he should be murdering people, right? Mm-hmm. And and where where are we if we can't? If the only excuse we have left is I was just following orders, right? That's Nuremberg level, yeah, which bullshit, right? Um. And I think this episode is so... It's important, but it's difficult, right? And there's not... And from, like, a Bad Batch point of view, there's crosshair development, and there's nothing else. It's like, oh, you have to find this battery that a, that a dragon took. Okay. Yeah. Um, sure. And then crosshair murders a bunch of people. It's, it's, it's a necessary episode. It's just not my favorite. It's something that I would put at the bottom. I think... I think these these themes could have been inserted elsewhere, and I think we probably could have spent less time on that Ordo Moon. Yeah, yeah, the whole Moon part was for me is just a little kind of. Bleh. Um, but the whole thing with Crosshair is just very interesting because he's not 
there's times where you can tell like he's got like like morals of sorts. Like like when he high roads um high roads hunter is saying, you know, that Omega would be safer away from them. You know, that, that she's she doesn't uh you can't provide a safe life for a child, you know, on the you know, being fugitives on the run, constantly in danger. And then he saves Omega. He didn't have to save Omega. Uh, Omega and AZ, I should say, at the very end. You know, he could have just been like, <laughs> you know, and... Yeah, I know, told you so. He, he, he could have pulled out the worst card ever, right? And said, like, I told you she was going to die in your care. Yeah. But he saved her. No, you're... you're. That's a good point. We're not going to dwell on the bottom. The bottom. I think it's probably more useful to sort of give an overall score for the series. We watched 16 episodes... As a series, how do you think it ranked? Just give it like a 1 to 10 score, 10 being the best, 1 being the worst. I'd give it like an 8.5. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's it's a solid 8, maybe a 9. Yeah, I, there's, an, go ahead. Sorry, there's, there's enough filler episodes where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, it could it could have been a 9, but it's just you had to just throw that filler in there. You know, I, I, I like what Marvel is doing with just the six episodes of you know like loki you know and uh falcon and Winter soldier and they're just jam-packed with stuff that you know there, there's no just kind of like you know uh falcon falcon and bucky you know like uh go to arby's you know you know a whole arc on that it's like no it's start to finish it's uh you know a wild ride with this is like there's just you know just kind of the fluff where there's just a little bit here and there but not anything but it's not like if it if it wasn't there, nobody would complain. I like the idea of the Marvel thing. I think every episode we learned something, but I agree in general that I know people hate the word filler. There were a couple filler episodes in this. I don't mind them that much if they if they're telling us something about the universe. It's it's probably a product of watching them once a week and waiting for the new one and expecting a lot from something like devil's dealer rescue on Ryloth to move to infested. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, like, Oh, here's Hera and chopper. And here's how it all connects to like rebels. And then here's a plot about a bunch of bats in a cave that you have to be afraid of. Ooh. And they're not really yeah. that scary. And it's yeah. like, like, what are the stakes? Like, what yeah, are our Re- stakes? Rebels did that. They had that great episode where, they go to the temple on Lothal, you know, uh, you know, Kanan gets knighted, you know, um, Ahsoka comes to terms with what's happened to Anakin and, and Ezra talks to Yoda and, you know, they find out about Malachor. And then like the next episode is just, I think it was just, it, it was just some sort of filler stuff. It was just, it was just like, run fruit. Yeah. And I think it was like the spiders in the base or something like that. And it's just like, it's like what? you just went from this like this you know, like just this is like pure awesome Star Wars you know force stuff to like here's some thing that happened sorry you you know you got all excited <laughs> you're expecting a great present and you know and it's as a kid and it's the exact you know size of a of a Nintendo game and then you open it up and then it's like Lee Trevino's you know putting game and you're just like. Uh. <laughs> It's not, it's not bone crushers or whatever. Um, I, 
I understand. I understand the need to pace a whole series. I really do. And I think I think even in the filler episodes, once again, I I don't like to, using that term. I'm just using it. I think we we found things that we liked, right? I think the two the episodes we flagged. There's interesting things in them. It's just maybe not interesting for a whole episode for a whole week. I do want to transition to who are your favorite guest stars of the series, which might be different than your favorite episodes. Uh, well, I, I, I liked uh, Rhea Perlman. Uh, sorry, Rhea Perlman as um, as Sid. I thought that was pretty awesome. I think she was amazing. Um, I think she was yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, and you pointed out to me that it was Rhea Perlman, and I think she's the perfect perfect fit culturally from like her acting arc and her delivery as Sid is also perfect. I know people yeah. people on Twitter complain about Sid endlessly. I think Sid it's, is fucking perfect. Yeah, she's she's playing Carla except as an alien in Star Wars. Carla and an was asshole. A, <laughs> is a Carla was a pain in the ass in Cheers. Um yeah, that's the only one other than like uh, Ming-Na Wen just to you know bringing you know Fennec Shand in yeah say Rhea Perlman was my favorite um, I'm gonna go weird a little bit and, and see what you think I really liked that they brought in the sisters oh the Martez sisters yeah it- I yeah. because I that last season of Clone Wars like the little coda they put on Clone Wars with, with Battle Malachor and Ahsoka's Walkabout Mm-hmm. I I think I really loved that Star Wars and tying it in to Bad Batch and making like the Martez sisters operatives of the burgeoning rebellion, I think worked really well, at least for me, worked really well um, for that. And because it, it showed it showed to me that Ahsoka's presence in their life really affected their out- outlook and that they were willing to sort of stand up and fight for what they what they ostensibly believed in now um, after interacting with Ahsoka cuz that their their arc was also about running drugs <laughs> but but they again for the pikes once again but yeah they, but they also sort of cured themselves of that life through Ahsoka i think that interaction was really important um, and seeing like a follow up with them was very um, satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. And I know in the original script that that the Martez sisters was actually a romantic interest for Ahsoka, and I'm I'm actually very happy they didn't go that route, and they made their their relationship more platonic and functional rather than a romantic one. And and we can enjoy these characters in other plot lines now. Maybe even see them later in another in another iteration. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I, was was were they going to be male or just female? It was going to be it was going to be a, a male a single male who ran a, a basically repair shop. Ah, uh, gotcha. And so okay. it wasn't it wasn't going to be two people. It was going to be a male that was mixed up with the Pikes. That was the original concept. Yeah. So season two, season two. There's just what is going to happen? Like what? Like we? I, I was listening to our um, to our last one, and how we were just a little bit disappointed 
because there's not really uh, it's not really a thing to look forward to. I mean, there but there are, there are things that I'm looking forward to, but there's nothing like like itching on my mind of you know like what's gonna what's gonna happen. You know, is Crosshair with the I assume Crosshair is going to be with the Empire, and it's, he'll just be like forgiven. Or and I'm just hoping that there's more clone stuff. You know, like what happens? Are they, are they, you know, are they going to start rescuing clones? Is there going to be a um, you know something to do with just you know the the burgeoning you know um, rebellion? You know, are they still going to be working for Sid? And then like Rampart, you know, he's not seen again. So is he? Will he last only as long as the um, as this um, as this series? And will he eventually either be killed or captured or, or he, you know, for whatever reason, he just ends up getting demoted and just falls into mediocrity and lost in the crowd of, you know, other fascist bootlickers in the Empire. I think that's a good summary of what, what we probably could expect. Um, the questions are, so season one introduced a lot of bounty hunters, right? We have Phoenix Shan, we have Cad Bane. We don't know what their status is, except that Phoenix Shan was working for Nala Say. Who's still alive, and Cadman was working for um, the prime minister, who's dead. Um, so presumably Cadman is waved off, but um, Phoenix Shan could come back. I saw a theory that Phoenix Shan becomes a very good sniper because she hooks up with Crosshair. I would watch that. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe Crosshair just decides to stay, but he's not gonna—he's not gonna be just a, a tool anymore. You know, he—he he either looks the other way. Whenever there's a bad, you know, bad batch sighting or something, or you know, I don't see him openly sabotaging, but maybe he's just, you know, he, you know, he's, you know, a little bit more than just a, you know, an, an assassin uh, for hire, or not for hire, but just, just somebody just to send out and just kill, you know, kill things. If if they decide that the clones are not a a problem, then his role becomes very practical, right? He could he could train that. That stormtrooper core that becomes Unit ninety nine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that could become that could become his arc. But the other the other pieces that you talked about were like what happens to clones. We see Rex in the later episodes of um, last two episodes. He's on the run, right? He's, oh, that's right. He's covering his face. He's on the run. He's he's clearly in distress. Maybe we understand what he's up to. I would love that. Um, mm-hmm. They already have a relationship with them. Echoes with them. Let's get some character development for Echo and Tech that aren't just like I. I've been very critical on our Twitter account about how little Echo and Tech time that we get on the show. Um, it's been all about Omega Hunter and Crosshair. So far, we've got a cast of six. Let's talk about those those guys now. We're gonna have more time. Like, let's assume we're gonna get sixteen more episodes. Let's get a tech episode in there, where tech mm-hmm. gets to save the day, right? Not, not make a huge mistake that kills everybody. You know? Yeah. Like, or have him fall in love, or, or something. Something. Let's give us anything about tech, right? Let's make him a human, right? Mm-hmm. Let's make let's make him interesting. Give him some emotions. Um, and the same thing for Echo. Echo deserves better. Than he's gotten, like he's not just their droid. Right? They literally dressed him up as a droid in this season. Let's let's make him a character. You know, let's give him an arc. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, that's no, I agree. Hoping. You know, and a little bit more for. I mean, you got some with Wrecker when 
the uh, the Battle Scars episode, but you know, definitely, you know, I want to see more about make make more record more than just the big stupid guy who you know yeah, the big acts big like a dumb child, lunk. big dumb lunk. He he has he has emotions, right? And we should see them on screen. Yeah. Yeah, even if it's something simple like you know like they're uh, they're talking about something and they can't f- figure out some problem or or something, and then Wrecker's just like, oh, it's this, and they're just like, what? You know, like yeah, don't doesn't everybody know this? You know, so it doesn't make him like completely stupid. Just that like, hey, he he knows things that other people don't know. They you know he's just not a big he, you know he's just not a, a big tank with fists. He's he you know he's more than that. The mechanism they have in their quiver right now is the ability to select the mission and and they let omega select the mission a lot like we're gonna go rescue hera we're going to go to camino right we're gonna we're gonna do this because crosshair criticizes them for this right says like oh she calling shots put us in a situation where hunter is the one insisting that they have to go on the mission right where like he Mm -hmm. He, like he cares about something greater than the unit, and he's like, "We have to, we have to use our combined strength to rescue this person or fix this problem." That's that's a great arc for him, right? Give him something where everyone has to say, "Like, all right, we have to do it because Wrecker wants us to do it." That's yeah, that would be incredible. Or you know, have Hunter decide he wants to get rid of his face tattoo, or you know, something. I'm, you know, <laughs> do you think his tattoo goes all the way down? Uh, I don't know. I assume it does. I assume half because I it's like tattooed like a skeleton. Because his his uh, on his helmet that same on his helmet that same side is mispaint. So it's think, kind of a weird, you know. Do you think for the next season they're going to change their uniforms? You think they should? I wouldn't be right? surprised. I think they should. Yeah, I mean they're they're fugitives. Why? Or, you know, I've, I've, you know, for a uh, army that doesn't exist anymore. You know, the empire's you know like ramping up fast, so they they're going to have spies everywhere. So definitely they should be at least repaint their armor. The other inter- interesting idea that you brought up in your Season 2 speculation is the fate of Rampart. We don't know Rampart in the future. He doesn't exist in any sort of original trilogy media. You you speculated just now that he's going to get killed or supplanted or something. And I really like this idea. Could he be Could he be killed by a character we know? Oh yeah, I could see him getting Vader... Um, for you know, some sort of fuck up. You just you just brought up something really interesting. Is there going to be a lightsaber in season two? I would think that there would have to be. You think it, you think it's going to be Vader? Mm-hmm. So you think or, Vader, well, Vader or an Inquisitor show up? Yes. In season two. Um. Yeah, I or like, you know, or like a Jedi on the run. Quinlan Voss is still unaccounted for. It's like they just say like he's just in their back pocket. And, because he is, his name is on that list of Jedi who haven't been accounted for. They would have to have like like some lightsaber, you know. Even if it's just, just like, oh, here's the lightsaber of this dead Jedi, and then they use it, and then then they put it back down or something. Having the Force used briefly. I mean, like, like think about Solo. There's like no Force in it whatsoever until like the very last bit. Oh, and we outside see, of the first uh, episode of this, there's no Force in it at all. Right, if they put just like even just a tiny little bit and help a Jedi escape, or like Vader is seen and he he kills uh, he kills somebody for uh, incompetence, or an Inquisitor that we haven't seen shows up, 
or one that we have. So I just have one last question before we move on to our what's next for us. Um, obviously, Omega survived uh, season one. What would you think about a live-action Omega showing up in Book of Boba Fett this December? Sorry, I would I would be fine with that. I would it would be very interesting. I I don't know. I have no idea what the book the the book of Boba Fett is going to be about. Is it his? You know, is it what he's been doing? You know, in between uh, Return of the Jedi and um, the first episode of uh, season two of The Mandalorian, or is it going to be everything like him taking over Jabba's Jabba's crime syndicate? Is it going to be him just dismantling it? You know, has he turned over a new leaf? I mean, that's an that's an interest, interesting question. I always assumed it was after the last scene that we saw him in, where he kills Bib Fortuna. I assume Book of Boba Fett would be moving forward, but seeing what happens before would be pretty interesting as well. Yeah, where you have him, like, you just, like, have him, like, de- de-aged, and, you know, just, like, cr- like crawling out of the Rancor pit, and just, just showing, like, how, I don't know how old uh, Tamora Morrison is. I think he's probably in his 60s, but... Thereabouts, yeah. But, you know, explaining why he is so fucked up looking, you know, that he was, you know, like you actually like see him looking just like the regular clones. You just like, you know, young Tamar Morrison, you know, maybe some scars or something, but, you know, like handsome. And then, you know, just and then just coming out of it and being like nursed back to health by, you know, sand people. I'm, I'm guessing that's what happened because he's got the uh, the gaffy six and he's just completely like fucked up now, like his 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 face and head are all ravaged and his body is all kind of a way a way to kind of explain away his kind of older gentleman's body versus a young slim he's living a different lifestyle with the sand people Mm -hmm. i mean i would i would enjoy that i think to keep on topic i think seeing omega in live action would be pretty satisfying honestly of course i'm always looking for that connective tissue in star wars I want it all to be one story. I want it to be... I would love... Honestly, I would love it if if a woman showed up who's in her 40s on Book of Boba Fett, introduces herself as Boba Fett's sister, and it forces a bunch of people to watch 16 episodes of Batch Batch. That would make me very happy. Yeah. Because, like, how dare you skip the cartoons uh, <laughs> and just watch, just watch the live-action shit. Um... But I don't. Star Wars isn't great at that, so I'm not holding my breath. It's something I want to happen, but don't know if it will happen. That's one thing I've learned. Like it, you know, you can hope for something, but don't hope all that much because nine point nine times out of ten, it's not going to happen, and it's not going to be anything you really expected. So don't get your hopes up. Let's move on. Um, do you have anything else to talk about for season two? No, I don't. All right, so I thought we could talk about real quick what we're going to do for Yubcast. The next cartoon that's scheduled to release for Lucasfilm, Star Wars, is Star Wars Visions. We're going to get nine episodes of that, but it's not going to come out for um, four to five weeks, depending on when this goes up. So we have pre- we have basically a four-week gap in between, four to five-week gap in between Bad Batch and Visions. This episode's going to fill one of those weeks, but I thought we were talking and we, we thought it would be 
useful to use that three weeks to review the 2003 Tartavosky, um Clone Wars web series. Mm-hmm. It was 25, I think, 25 three-minute episodes, but they're short. It's pretty much in two parts on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, cut um, the first one's like much longer. So I don't know, cut that one in half, I guess. And then, then do the, yeah, I think it was, I think it was based on my research. I think it was supposed to be three seasons and he basically produced two and a half seasons based on his feedback from Lucasfilm. And so I think we can probably, probably do like nine, eight and eight of the shorts and, and you and I will figure out what those, what the breakpoints are, but we can probably break up the first one into two and then the second one into one i guess Mm -hmm. and and just do it reasonably and we'll put on twitter which ones we're doing and on our website yubcast.com which ones we're doing for the upcoming but our next episode is going to be the first half dozen to eight cartoon shorts of tartavosky's 2003 clone wars which we're both pretty pretty decent fans of and so it's going to be i think a really good discussion and a good analysis of what happens when you give the guy who made samurai jack um license to do star wars for a bunch of web comics yeah that sounds great i look forward to uh, seeing those again I, I watched them not too long ago and there were they lived up to expectations and my son really enjoyed them as well i think i think for something made in 2003 they hold up surprisingly well and i'm very much looking forward to um, watching them again and doing research and analysis of them because I've never done done that and it's one of the goals of this podcast um, is to go through those sorts of things and figure out what's good there. There's a lot of plot in in those 25 episodes and a lot of crazy Jedi stuff in those episodes um, and I'm really looking forward to talking about it with you and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll figure out the format everybody and do it and then maybe we'll have a different format for visions as well we're constantly changing and adapting and we hope you stay with us thank you for going through bad batch with us all right so you know um thanks again for listening um please be sure to uh rate us on itunes or stitcher or wherever you know give us some high ratings so we could uh you know we can start uh shilling for uh questionable pharmaceuticals you know and uh if you didn't like the podcast you know tell somebody you don't like that it's a really great podcast and they should go listen right away because jokes on them. We'll be back uh, next week with the Tartavosky Clone Wars. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only.